A Pod Forte podcast. The next CMO podcast explores topics that are on the minds of forward thinking marketing executives, from leadership and strategy to emerging technologies. And we bring these topics to life by interviewing leading experts in their fields. The next CMO is sponsored by Plana, makers of the world's first AI-based marketing leadership platform, and hosted by me, Peter Mahoney, the founder and CEO of Plana, along with my co-host, Kelsey Kraft. In this episode of the Next CMO podcast, Kelsey and I speak to Anna Villegas, the Chief Marketing Officer of National Instruments. National Instruments is a billion and a half dollar leading provider of automated test and automated measurement systems that help engineers solve the world's toughest challenges. They've been around for over 40 years and are a truly global organization. Anna has a fascinating background. She was born in Peru in a pretty traditional family environment and broke through, became an engineer, and ultimately came to the United States and had an extremely successful career at leading companies like Dell, where she spent 15 years before she came to National Instruments, where she ultimately got the top marketing job. We go into a fair amount of depth in Anna's particular focus around leaning into the corporate responsibility and ESG initiatives as part of the overall effort to improve the brand perception of national instruments, an area where she thinks is going to be critically important to differentiate companies in the future. And on top of that, she talks about how she drove coherence in a marketing plan that started with over 40 major campaigns, consolidating that into seven, driving efficiency and getting better results. I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, thank you so much for joining the Neximo podcast today, Anna. We're super excited to have you on the show. I would love to learn a little bit more about you and what you do at National Instruments. I am very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at NI, National Instruments, which is a company that helps companies around the world test and measure their innovations and their products. So think about the technology behind the technology. From my angle and, and my background, I am originally from Peru. I grew up in Latin America and came here 20 years ago to pursue a career in marketing and got into Dell and now ultimately into NI, and it has been a very interesting journey for me. Yeah, it sounds like it's been quite a ride, Anna. And I, I know you did earlier in your career, did stint more in the financial services area, but then got pretty deep into tech, obviously. It sounds like more than 15 years at Dell with a really great career there. And and then over the last few years at National Instruments and g- give people a sense of the scale of natu- National in- Instruments, the public company, but size of the company, size of the team overall, because it's, it's, it's one of these companies that a lot of people I know especially in tech. And if you've done anything in hardware, especially you, you know, national instruments, but help them understand a little bit more of the scope of the company. 
Absolutely. So we are over $1.5 billion company, US, Americas, and Europe. We have over 7,000 employees, and we support multiple industries, all the way from transportation, you know, the cars, electric vehicles, everything that is being built there, to aero defense, government, electronics, and semiconductors. So we run across all the gamut of different industries. From a marketing perspective, what I find interesting is I come from Dell. And at Dell, we had a very complex set of number of products that we needed to sell. At the NIE, because we have so many different industries, our product portfolio is also very complex. So my role is how do I make sure my team, which is a little over 100 people, can build campaigns and marketing strategy for globally all our countries, all our products, all our industries, and all our customer tiers. Well, that's quite a matrix if you start to think about it. And and, and I think a lot of people, they'll get it when they start to think of people who understand Dell is is a good proxy for for this. And and I can see why the the folks at National Instruments were probably excited about your background when they when they recruited you there. Because Dell, of course, that many people know is a, is a very complex company because they sell to consumers, they sell to enterprises, they sell to governments, they sell to OEMs. It's it's a little bit of everything, lots of distribution channels and, and quite global. And NI is, is very much the same thing. And so help me understand how, as, as the CMO, how do you organize the chaos to a coherent connected marketing plan. And because a lot of our listeners may work for smaller companies, they've got literally one little piece of maybe the 50 elements that you're working with. How do you tie it all together into something that that makes sense for for you, let alone the market? So the the main area that I have been leading and transforming in terms of marketing is how we really became more efficient with our resources or our budget. We don't have the large budget of, you know, a Dell or a Cisco. We don't have the large teams. So it was all about how do we start sharing resources? For example, the social media team can be very small, but they need to support all the different type of industries and all the different type of customers. So that has been the first thing that I changed was align it by functions versus aligning it by industry or by customer tier because we, did, we didn't have the resources. And then the second part is ruthless prioritization, right? What are the goals we're trying to drive? And then where are we going to add the more value? You can have multiple pro- program managers, product managers come to marketing and say, I need a plan. And you can end with 65 plans and everything is so little that you're not making a difference. And really, we have shifted the mindset to say, brief me what you are trying to do, business unit, right, product owner, and then we'll come back with the recommendation to prioritize and optimize the dollar so we can make the most for the company. Well, that, that that's music to to our ears because we, of course advocate a lot around these this idea of uh, aligning and focusing around your key objectives and making sure that you're investing to support those objectives over time. And it can be complicated. And there's an interesting thing that you mentioned, Anna, in there, in that 
there. The implication was that there's this translation step between in, in NI, maybe what happens from like a product owner where you may have a, a product-centric kind of campaign desire and, and the marketing organization. So do you all operate more as a, an overall service organization to, to product owners? And, and your goal is taking those product goals and sort of plugging it in and organizing it into a, into a marketing plan? Is that the way it works? So we support the business units and we have product experts. We call them the offering managers, right? That sit Mm -hmm. in the different business units. So they will come with goals overall for the unit. And then, yes, we will build that recommendation for how do we, what do we need to do in terms of marketing? One of the key areas that make us have easier discussions is that I introduced something that have worked really well at Dell, which is the number of messages in market. Because that's where we were having a lot of challenges. Everybody wanted a, a different thing. And in the end, it's only one customer, right? You can talk to him about 25 things. They will only remember one thing. So we went from having, I don't know, over 40 different campaigns to seven. And that has a streamlined and make it easier and also enable us to focus on a strategy versus being order takers because we didn't have time, right, to keep up with everything that was coming our way. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. It's interesting, you know, in, in my business, we sort of review and help people optimize their, their marketing plans. And in doing that, we see, I mean, I've reviewed thousands of marketing plans over time, and a lot of them are quite incoherent. And, and the biggest challenge is people try to do, and when I say too much, I mean too many. They do too many different things, and, and they, they don't add up to tell a story. And you're exactly right, on a. I, I love what you're saying, that going from even a, a multi-billion dollar organization can't really support, you know, 40 different messages to the market, 40 different campaigns. Obviously, you need to have some capability to differentiate for different audiences and messages. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure that it adds up to something. So, so tell me, in your journey at, at NI, have you... Have you changed the overall top-level message for the organization, or has that been consistent since you've been there and, and maybe following up? Has it, has it, when was the last time it changed? So we had our big rebrand F back in 2020, and I joined towards the end of 2019, so I was part of, of those efforts, the rebrand efforts. And this is a company that for... 40 years, right, has operated as a company that has grown from being a small startup to being over a billion dollars. So the brand, the way we're talking to customers, the message was not modernized. It was very traditional. We talk about products. We talk about, you know, specs. There was nothing about the people. There was nothing about the customer. So that rebrand exercise, again, happened in 2020, and it has been a huge pivot to really change the way we look at our messages and how we communicate with our audience. So speaking of, you know, this change and looking at our audience and our customers a lot more, I definitely think that this marketing landscape has changed quite a bit in the last 
you know, three to five or, or even a decade over these years. So given your experience, it's super impressive, obviously working from Dell and EMC, how do you think that landscape has changed and how do you think marketers can, you know, adapt to marketing being front and center for needing to be humans in that, in that area? I've been working marketing for over 27 years now, and I've seen everything. I've seen when we talk about social media, when we talk about content is king, when we talk about data, right? But I really feel that the pandemic was like the electroshock we needed to wake up. So for the first time, I'm seeing the humanity come into conversations at the customer level, at the investor level, at the company level and at the employee level and communities. That for me has been the huge change that is pivoting all of these new conversations that before were, were something that we just kept, you know, here. It was like, no, let's make sure we are driving our right for the company, mm-hmm. period. So it's interesting. I spent some time going through your, your latest annual report and and in one of the things in the in the shareholder letter that your CEO Eric Starkloff talks about is the importance of corporate impact as part of your overall strategy. And, and I know you personally are pretty deeply engaged in in the ESG initiatives and corporate impact in general. So it would be really helpful to understand from your perspective, Anna, how does that relate? Tell us how that relates to to marketing. So what what is the what is the what what is the the business case for the the deep focus for the deep focus in in this area and, and by the way it seems to be working as an example maybe you're you're shy and won't tell anybody this but I, I saw that Newsweek recognized National Instruments as one of the most trustworthy companies in 2022 and that has to be an output of that so tell me how that helps. The, the overall growth, the, the overall value of the company with these initiatives? The way we look at this is when you think about ESG, when you think about corporate responsibility, it really connects to a company purpose. Why a company exists beyond the earnings pressure. And it really connects to why a customer should buy from us, why an employee should work here, right? Why an investor should invest in this company? So I see them together versus two separate entities. That doesn't mean can that live in different teams, but they need to be together. So when you're thinking about your brand, your purpose, your ESG needs to be part of your brand. And it's been really interesting over the last couple of years. I don't know if interesting is the best word for the last couple of years, but obviously with with the pandemic, but also with the, the really difficult war that has been going on right now in, in Ukraine, the it's it's created an amazing amount of disruption in in the market. And and I also think there's a big focus that especially large companies are looking at around the, the risk in disruption in, in their buyers and they're looking at who are the people, who are the core suppliers that I really want to do business with over the long term. So in, in my mind, there's, there's, there's a huge business value in, in at least maintaining a, a 
minimum level of reputation, because if you go below that threshold, I, I think it's it's catastrophic. On, on the upside, I suspect it could be a real driver for, for, for growth in all the ways that you mentioned it at the same time. Is, is that part of the way that you think about it, Anna? Yes. And, and let me give you an, a specific example how data actually is telling us this. We just completed a research with customers and our customers are from small businesses all the way to the Tesla, right? The, the large enterprises of the world. And we wanted to learn what are the reasons that they choose in a specific company in the test and measurement area. And what are the more important topics and differentiators they look for? So part of the research findings have the traditional, I want to perform, I want to be agile, I want to, you know, go fast, I want to have a good support, all these areas that I call them almost like a ticket to entry. But there was a big part of the answers that were around finding a company that was, that had strong ESG, you know, priorities and efforts. And it was the first time we were seeing this come so high up in the answers. So as we think about our campaigns and our messages, you need to combine it together. And you need to start talking about, yes, we produce this product and this is the way we are making sure it's inclusive, right? Or we produce this software and this is the way we're doing different with the coding. But again, Customers are telling us that. So it is for me very clear that it needs to be a priority for the companies. It is really interesting. And if you look back over the last decade, of course, there's been a massive change in customer buyer expectations around corporate responsibility. And I think it's had a significant in in its influence. And it's one of these things that it's it's like a shifting tide. It wasn't like a giant switch that got flipped. So it's interesting that you're seeing it in the data, Anna. And and the the one challenge I find for for marketing leaders is that you often have to think in much longer time horizons than than other executives who may be operating in. You know, if you're a, a sales executive, maybe you're thinking quarterly or annually. Sometimes you have to think about multiple years. And and one thing that seems to ha- have helped your efforts is that it seems like you've got really great support from the CEO and probably from the board around sort of a longer strategic vision and the strategic value of these things. C- can you talk about how how that kind of overall corporate support is is important or not for for your efforts? It's very important. We launched our corporate impact strategy last year. We are sharing results, I think, in the next couple of, of, of months. And it has been an initiative that is supported and comes, you know, all the way from the board to the CEO, to all the executives across the company. So, and it's part of of our goals, right? It's part of our goal for the next 10 years, actually. We have been very transparent, putting our goals out and seeing this is where we want to get in terms of 
diversity inclusion. This is the percentage of people of color we want to have in our company. This is the percentage of managers of color we want to have in our company, and so on. So I, I do believe that that is critical for an effort like this to not be in a silo, to not be just something driven by IRG, but to really be part of the strategy of a company and how you embed it around what you're doing in R&D, how you're, what you're doing in HR with your employees, right, and how they support this strategy, what you are doing in the business unit, what you're doing in marketing, and all across the multiple functions. I was going to say, so how, how can we get companies that, you know, sometimes they'll see it as a checklist of, you know, inclusion and making sure we have diversity. How can we make sure that they make it not only a priority, but so driven and part of their brand and who they are as a company and, and bridge that gap that some companies may necessarily have because they don't necessarily see as much as importance as they should? I think it's a great opportunity right now for the CMOs to, you know, learn more, especially if they don't have these intercompanies, to talk to folks who are already doing it, to get metrics, to share these practices, and bring that up with their leadership, with their CEO, with their board. We have that responsibility to move it forward. We are, you know, the brand. We are driving the message. We are driving the the strategy of how we talk to the customers, and this needs to be part of it. So I think more than ever. Let's educate ourselves and and let's change the way companies are doing business because reality is if we don't change, right, companies will be out of business. Mm -hmm. Customers make decisions on who they want to buy from. B2C, very strong. B2B is coming also. It's already happening. So let's make these changes uh, as soon as possible. So one of the things that's going to make this challenging, I think, is the current economic environment that we're going through. So there's obviously a lot of turbulence right now in, in the market with, with high inflation coming from, you know, the, 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 the bubble from the stimulus activities, from the supply chain concerns, from a combination of COVID and the war. So all these things, plus sort of an overhang in tech where, where there was probably a, an too inflated set of values, which is starting to affect the market. So all these things together is creating a lot of turbulence in the market. And I I find that that's a very challenging time for marketing leaders to defend the strategic. Because what's happening is the CEOs and CFOs are now coming back and saying, oh, you know, now we've got to find a way to trim our sales a little bit. We've got to find a way to be a little bit more efficient. So in that mode, Anna, how do you think about the, the, the case for, for defending the strategic kind of initiatives that you've talked about in, in this environment where people are going to ask you to be much more fiscal, fiscally responsible? I think one of the areas that for me have been very important it was to go beyond marketing goals, right, marketing value and strategy and where I'm really partnering with is the chief of human resources, because a lot of these things are going to impact the employees. We talk about a very turbulent market. People are leaving companies. So if we don't have these type of initiatives and we don't believe in them and they are not part of the values of a company, there's going to be a great cost for losing all these people, right? And having to train new people. So 
That's one of the conversations I'm having with my chief of HR saying, you need to help me. You need to advocate for me because it's, it's now it's together. It's not about marketing anymore, right? It, it's about employees or talking with my investor relationship, you know, a partner and saying, this is what investors are looking for. So it's not the typical and traditional role of marketing. We've always think in the past is again, opening these conversations to the new partners we have so we can all go together and say, this is what we need. This is why corporate impact is a strategy. This is why the investment is important. Yeah, and it's a very similar story, I think, with, with I mean, a part of your the communication of your brand, which can have a broad impact and, and the corporate responsibility is, is an, an element of that, but also goes well beyond the brand. So it's, it's really a, a combination of those things. And, and you see a lot of CMOs struggling in these moments. I know I've, I've in, in my CMO jobs, have been pressured some to, to, to take the foot off the accelerator on the strategic. I, I had one really particularly painful environment moment where, you know, as the CMO of about a $2 billion software company, and we were doing a major re, which I, I thought and the CEO thought and the board thought was incredibly important. And we had to dramatically cut it back. And, and, and I think it was okay in the end. I think we probably, and it might've been the right thing to do, but it felt really painful. And, and this was around the, the, the 2008, you know, market crash that was going on and the same kind of thing going on and, and worse in a lot of ways, but defending those things is really difficult. And, and one thing I was going to ask you, Anna, because I realize I'm doing a speech, I'm not asking you questions now, is, is that have you found it's been helpful for you to defend your investments more because you've taken the initiative to drive this efficiency into marketing and national instruments. So going from 40 to seven campaigns, as an example, really streamlining, really focusing on reuse, as an example, drives more efficiency. Has that, has that been helping? Tell, tell me about that. Let me tell you a story because it has helped to give you answer first, but let me tell you a story. When I came in, marketing was a take order organization. Big chunk of our dollars were what we call non-working dollars. So even though the budget was, you know, a reasonable budget, you really didn't have much advertising because we were spending all this stuff. So turn this around, you know, that was number one step. And then at, at that number one step where I was turning this around, I had all these stakeholders saying, I don't believe in marketing. So we should be cutting your budget, Right. And also at that step one, the turning it around, I didn't have metrics to prove it. So I knew I needed to get there, but I was not there. I was like, okay, step one, we just need to change this to start being more specific and strategic. Step two, let's have metrics and get stakeholders to believe in marketing. So when bad times come, because they will come, we're not, you know how it is. It's the markets go up and down we are ready and they can become our advocates. So that was a step two. We just finalized step two last year. This year, right, it's hard. There's supply chain issues. There are some areas that, are, that, that need to be streamlined. And even though I know that some of the, the marketing dollars have to be reduced, my stakeholders are telling me, look, we believe in you. We 
we'll need to do and make some of these cuts, but we want to go back to where you were in a couple of months. So I changed their perception. Now they are defending me, right? Now they are like, yes, please, let's support this. And yes, we may need to cut, but then let's put the money back. So that would be my advice is have clarity on are your stakeholders really understanding what you are doing or what do you need to do in terms of metrics and, you know, strategy to educate them. So when these things happen, you have their back. They have your back, sorry. I, I think it's really great advice, Anna. And one of the things that I often tell people is that one of the most important roles for a CMO is being able to communicate business value of marketing in the terms that non-marketers understand. And, and part of the problem is that marketing people tend to talk marketing speak all the time. And that doesn't really fly when you're talking to a CFO or a division GM or something like that. They, they assume that you're just obscuring information or, or you know, who, who knows what. And, and, and it's interesting because I, I think a lot of CMOs, they appear to be hiding behind a, a smokescreen but I don't think it's on purpose in most cases. I think it is situational because they, they don't have the data, they don't have the organization, they don't have the tools to, to really communicate some of the key things that you mentioned. And one thing I'll bring up is this idea of, of working money. I call it productive spend, right? So what is what percentage of your overall investment in marketing has the measurable outcome associated with it? Uh, and and that it doesn't just have to be media, but it can be all the things that you're investing that's related to a campaign where you're expecting an outcome. And and it's very difficult to do for most for most people. And the most important thing that you started with is this idea of just, you know, it sounds like aligning people around what's important and focusing the organization on, on these these key initiatives, which is which is great. I, I wanted to, because we only have a couple minutes left and there, there's so much more I wanted to ask you. And so I have to be super selective. And I know I haven't let Kelsey get a word in edgewise here, but I, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about how you think it, it has been, has it been a positive thing for you or a headwind for you being a, a Peruvian woman uh, in a very high pressure tech company environment which has been dominated for many years by a bunch of, of white men. So t- tell me a little bit about your experience and, and whether you think it's getting better and how you've navigated through this, this world to achieve the su- success you already have. So three, three big experiences of my life have helped me build a superpower to be more inclusive and understand, you know, the an organization. The first one was growing up in Peru in a very traditional household where I was supposed to get married and be a mom. And I had to break from that because everybody perceives me as she's, she's going to stay home and I went to study engineering. The second, you know, part was studying engineering. I was the only woman in, in, in a group of you know, several men. So I think we graduated 600 people, less than 10 women. So I had to also figure out how to be successful in that environment. And then coming here as an immigrant, and as I started moving up that, the scale, it was the only Latina in the room. So these experiences actually 
help me in a way approach problems in a different way and always think how to be able to talk and to be understood by others, how to connect with others. And that's my superpower. I'm a connector. I, you know, I'm the one who will make sure we can work together and move forward. And it's just an advantage that being challenged through my life has given me. That's a, it's an amazing story. And I'm a big believer that your superpower is related to your kryptonite. And, and when you're, when you're faced with different challenges, you have to figure out how to over, overcome them to, to get there. And, you know, an interesting, so a great example of that is my, my middle daughter has some pretty significant special needs and she uses a wheelchair to get around. And so to compensate for that, she has this incredibly magnetic personality and because she has to draw people into her because she can't especially go to them the same way. And, and so she's adapted in that. And it sounds like you've made, made these adaptations with, with the extra headwinds that you've been presented with. And, and I think I, I wanted to add that I think that idea of connecting as a CMO is one of the most important skills because in, in many cases, if you want to successfully negotiate with your, your peers in the executive suite around these resources, you have to be able to communicate them with them, enlist their support, communicate in the values we said, in, in the language that they understand, listen to them to understand what they need and, and, and be part of the solution where I think some uh, traditional, more traditional marketing leaders have historically tried to and, and, and not especially drive for clarity and connection. So I, I can see that that has to be one of the reasons you've had this meteoric rise in your career. And I'm excited to see what, what, what you do next at National Instruments, because it sounds like there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Well, I, I should stop blathering on and, and maybe ask Kelsey to, because we've got one more question. And uh, so Kelsey, Kelsey, why don't you take us home? Anna, this has been an excellent, super informative podcast. We always love to ask the question, especially as you in a CMO seat, what advice would you give to those that are CMOs or aspiring to be one someday? Our advice to, you know, learn and network and make sure you are making connections outside of your box, outside of your organization, outside of your team. Talk to our CMOs. I have found that a lot of people are open to have conversations and share the best practices and, you know, just build relationships. That's the only way to, to move forward because marketing is moving so fast that Whatever you're learning in college or you went back maybe to do an executive, you know, training, it will be obsolete very soon. So keep yourself updated and keep yourself connected. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for joining the Next CMO podcast. Make sure to follow the Next CMO and Plana on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you have any ideas for topics or guests, you can email us at thenextcmo at plana.com. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, Thanks, Anna. Anna. Thank you.
A Pod Forte podcast. <laughs>